Hello, and welcome to the Learning to Slay the Beast podcast, where we talk about all the challenging things that we're working to overcome, like anxiety, obesity, and health and relationship issues. My name is Sarah. Today on the show, I wanted to talk about the new book by Glennon Doyle called Untamed. So Glennon Doyle has written several books, um, and I actually haven't read Love Warrior or her other book. And she's also a philanthropist. She has a charity called Together Rising that she runs, and they do um, a number of different pieces, a lot focused on human rights and helping others. This book, Untamed, has been super popular. I mean, I know a lot of the book websites have been really pumping it as one of the best books. And I really wasn't sure what I would think. I have heard Glennon talk about um, a lot of her passions on a few different podcasts. So I did have a little bit of a sneak peek into some of her perspective. And so was quite interested to see what this book would be like. And what it is, is very, um, a whole bunch of short stories and almost like essays on all of the things. So she talks about her life um, in the LGBTQ community. She talks about things like Black Lives Matter. She talks about identity, um, you know, being a wife, a creative, a mother. So many great ideas are in here. She talks a lot about gender roles and um, a lot of what people might consider like a feminist perspective. So I will say, as I read the book, there was a whole lot of hell yeahs that uh, I could kind of said to myself, there was definitely things that I found to be really funny throughout the book. And then a lot of tender, tender thoughts as well. And a lot of things that I, you know, folded down the page and kind of thought, oh, yeah, I I would come back to this thought again, really um, something that makes sense to me. So there are a lot of different stories in the book, but they there are themes. The, the one thing I would say that I found a little bit confusing in the book is with all the short essays, it's very stream of consciousness. And there were times that I kind of wondered when is now because the, she would be telling certain stories. And I know of Glennon. I've, like I said, heard of her on different podcasts. She did a great interview Uh, When Untamed was released on Jen Hatmaker's For the Love podcast, I would totally recommend listening to that because she tells uh, a great story from the book in that podcast as well. And so I do know of her, but I don't know her life so well that I could totally say, oh, she's writing about her divorce and that happened around this time or, you know, this is when she met Abby who is now her wife, or, you know, this was back when she was, you know, maybe single or like, that's where I had a little bit of a hard time because she doesn't really introduce things with a year. It's very, um, like I said, short story essay kind of driven. It's a quick, easy read that way, though, also, because a lot of the ideas, you know, she just writes it where she's got a title and then goes right into the idea and there's not tons of intro. So it's also really easy to move through the book that way because you very quickly get into ideas with not a lot of lead up. So that was the only challenge that I had with the book is kind of the the when is now. Um, but, you know, I, I really enjoyed the read and I thought what I would do is 
go through some of the themes that I kind of picked out of the book. And I think anybody would really pick these out. Um, and just give some examples of some of the great stories in some cases, um, or just ideas that uh, kind of went together so that you have an idea of what is in the book and maybe you'll be interested enough to read it as well and if not maybe you'll get the gist from me. So like I said I'm going to share some of her wisdom. So Glennon is um, an anxious person. She also explains that she does have depression and so there are many passages that really touch on her anxiety and given that I have anxiety as well I found those to be particularly interesting and I think we always um, feel good when when we can kind of identify with somebody and understand uh, where they're coming from. So she talks about anxiety in terms of her need to control and um, anxiety also coming from fear. And so you know, if you listen to my last podcast on the Enneagram, I talked about how I'm an Enneagram 6 and that, you know, our biggest fear is really, or our weakness is really fear itself. And I I definitely identified being that I am a 6 and that I do um, have anxiety with some of the passages. So, She talks about trying to control people that she loves and she says, and in this part, she's talking about her now wife, Abby Wambach, who's a very famous soccer player from the United States. Uh, She says, in addition to the fear factor, there's something else that leads me to want to control things. And that is my belief that I'm very smart and creative. I really do believe I have very good ideas and that people would do best if they got on board. This kind of control is called leadership. For a long while, I've controlled and led my people and called that love. I loved my people to a bloody pulp. My role in the lives of the people I love has been as follows. I exist to make all your hopes and dreams come true. So let's sit down and take a look at the comprehensive list of hopes and dreams I've created for you. I've been paying very close attention and trust me, I see you and I know you better than you know yourself. You can do anything you put your mind to or I put your mind to, let us begin. So I thought that was really quite interesting. And and I can totally identify with that because I often have sort of this need to control or fear um, of what might happen if I don't share my great ideas and, and we follow those. So then she talks a little bit further about a conversation with her sister and how she is explaining to her sister that her wife is continuing to insist that she's the boss of her own life. And so Glennon says, okay, I hear you, but what if I actually know my idea is better for her than her idea is for her? Should I just pretend to think her idea is good? Should I just smile and let her try her idea so that then we can get to mine when hers doesn't work so well? How long will I have to carry on with this time-wasting charade? And then her sister says, my God, Okay, if that's how you have to think of it, Glennon, then yes, try that. Try to fake it till you make it. And I think what spoke to me is that that there's such a link with this idea of control also with our children that we... Um, you know, we always think we even know better for them as well. And so I really could see, yes, that that would apply to a spouse or maybe even a parent or a child as well. And um, to me, it really hit the nail on the head in terms of you, you feel like you're helping, 
but you're actually not because they need to be themselves. So that was a really interesting point that she made in terms of control and fear. So she has a lot of interesting references to sobriety. She talks about kind of all of the numbing things. She struggled with an eating disorder. She struggled with addiction. And so she really does lump those in together, which again, I do see that, you know, whether it's food or alcohol or drugs, like if you're numbing out, you are missing out. So she talks a little bit about her decision to feel at all and how that's challenging. And I think especially during this pandemic, um, you know, feeling it all is a brave thing. It's, it's been a lot. And I think a lot of people are choosing to numb out to some degree. So she, there's a quote in the book when she says that um, her to her being fully human is not about feeling happy. It's about feeling everything. And I thought that was great because we do so much focus on, I want to feel happy. And yet, I think, yeah, we we need to just feel because it's not always going to be happy. It's a life is a lot of things. So I did really like that as well. She talks about being true to herself a lot and focusing on our internal knowing. And really one of the themes throughout the book is how she lost her knowing. She kind of brings that up at the end with a conversation that she had with her ex-husband. And she talks to him about the fact that they both kind of knew they shouldn't get married, but they ignored their knowing um, because she got pregnant and they felt like they really should get married. But um, it's really interesting when when they both really knew it wasn't the best and then it turned out that it wasn't the best idea. So the other part that she talks about in terms of being ourself is... Um, you know, also modeling for our children. She says, if we feel, know, and imagine our lives, families, and world become truer versions of themselves eventually, but at first it's very scary because once we feel, know, and dare to imagine more for ourselves, we cannot unfeel, unknow, or unimagine. There's no going back. We're launched into the abyss the space between the not true enough life we're living and the truer one that exists only inside us. So we say, maybe it's safer to just stay here. Even if it's not true enough, maybe it's good enough. But good enough is what makes people drink too much and snark too much and become bitter and sick and live in quiet desperation until they lie on their deathbed and wonder what kind of life, relationship, family, world, might I have created if I'd been braver? So I thought that was very, um, very a lot, you know, that they, this idea that we kind of push it down and we don't actually be true to ourselves because we're almost not brave enough to do it um, was really good. So the next piece is a theme I is obviously in this book is on feminism and ra- raising girls to believe in themselves, not be programmed with their gender type, Um, you know, everything from just how we think women should be to how we think women should look and um, called things like bossy or sassy and things like that, right? So um, I can totally see this idea of 
girls being programmed with one thing and boys kind of hearing something more positive like leader and you know we hear that example a lot but it really is true so I felt like this theme of raising strong girls was was a lot throughout the book I didn't um put down too many quotes because there were so many um she also talks about marriage and that's one place where she does speak about being a good example for her daughter as well. So one of the quotes in terms of girls is, when we're little girls, our families, teachers, peers, insist that our loud voices, bold opinions, and strong feelings are too much and unladylike. So we learn to not trust our personalities. Childhood stories promise us that girls who dare to leave the path or explore get attacked by big bad wolves and pricked by deadly spindles. So we learn to not trust our curiosity. And, I, you know, I've totally watched Sleeping Beauty uh, with my daughter and felt that as well. Like, this is this is a strange message. Um you know, uh, so definitely. And then she goes on to speak about the beauty industry. The beauty industry convinces us that our thighs, our frizz, skin, fingernails, lips, eyelashes, leg hair, and wrinkles are repulsive and must be covered and manipulated. So we learn to not trust the bodies that we live in. Diet culture promises us that controlling our appetite is the key to our worthiness. So we learn to not trust our own hunger. Politicians insist that our judgment about our bodies and futures cannot be trusted. So our own reproductive systems must be controlled by lawmakers. And we don't know. We don't know in places we've never been. The legal system proves to us again and again that even our own memories and experiences will not be trusted if 20 women come forward and say he did it and he says no I didn't they believe him while discounting and maligning us every damn time and religion sweet Jesus the lesson of Adam and Eve and the first formative story I was told about God and a woman was this when a woman wants more she defies God betrays her partner curses her family and destroys the world we weren't born distrusting and fearing ourselves that was part of our taming so reference to the book title we were taught to believe that who we are in our natural state is bad and dangerous they convinced us to be afraid of ourselves so we do not honor our own bodies curiosity hunger judgment experience or ambition instead we lock away our true selves women who are best at disappearing earn the highest praise she is so selfless selfless can you imagine the epitome of womanhood is to lose oneself completely that's the end goal of every patriarchal culture because a very effective way to control women is to convince women to control themselves super bold and of course these are glennon's views i will say i don't want anybody getting upset with me about some of the different references because everyone's not necessarily going to agree with with how she portrays things especially there's a lot in this book about religion but really powerful I mean when you start to think about everything that we do from birth control um you know (laughs) I've often thought about birth control and thought like yeah oh it's it's good because you go on it and then you don't get pregnant but then when you look at the hormone aspect I know at least for me I started to feel like is this my real personality or is this because I'm taking 
these hormones that kind of make me a certain way. Like it just, it it's really odd. Um, and, and that it starts at like a super young age as well. Um, so that was, I thought, a really, really good passage. And of course, I'm hoping by reading some of these passages, uh, you guys might identify with it as well or pieces of it and either, you know, go to your library or order the book online and spend a little time digging into some of these thoughts. And whether you agree or disagree, it would be great to hear um, either on my blog or on Instagram in those spaces that, um, you know, some of these conversations are happening. So she does also talk a little bit, um, as I mentioned, about marriage. Um, and, and I find throughout the book, she just asks so many great questions that you can really reflect on yourself as well, you know, and, and it kind of gives you not only like an account of what she did, but what she was thinking and the way that she pushed herself to make certain decisions. So one that I liked when she talked about her marriage, she says, I'm staying in this marriage for my little girl, but would I want this marriage for my little girl? And that's such a good question. I mean, a lot of people do that. They stay in their marriage for their kids, but then you forget that you're also showing love to your children through your marriage and through how you're living and the example that you're giving. So really, really good thinking there. Um, she also talks about um, abandoning herself. So she says like, is the decision to continue abandoning yourself really what your children need from you? And again, um, that there's no greater burden on a child than the unlived life of a parent. So kind of leaving yourself last, which, you know, a lot of women do. Um, and then she says, my children do not need me to save them. My children need me to save myself. And I think that speaks a lot to some of the messages that we're getting nowadays about self-care. That this idea of martyrdom and, you know, always putting ourselves last and, saying, well, everybody else needs me first. It just doesn't serve us. And it also creates a cycle of our girls or our sons as well, seeing that that is the gender role of women and that that's what they think they need to continue when they're in that position again in the future that, well, it's always been this way and that's how my mom did it kind of thing. So I think some of those um, thoughts are great in terms of how do we be a role model for our kids? I mean, I know it's a lot. It's a lot being a parent and then thinking about how do you role model and all of those things. But at the same time, we're doing it whether we're thinking about it or not. So she does have some thoughts as well about um, the memo that we get as parents. And she talks about parenthood. So one of her quotes on parenthood is, parenthood is thinking, this is too much. I cannot lead them, but I will do the thing I cannot do, right? And that's how it is. You kind of suck it up as a parent all the time. Family is whether we're falling or flying, we're going to take care of each other through the whole damn ride. And that is totally true because as a parent, you are always just doing your best. 
So the memos piece is an excellent thought. And I was listening to Rob Lowe's new podcast, Literally, and Gwyneth Paltrow actually brought up um, Glennon Doyle's concept of memos. And she says, um, Glennon says, you know, her grandmother's memo when she had a child was, here's the baby, take it home, let it grow, let it speak when spoken to, carry on with your life. And then her mother's memo was, here's your baby, take her home, and then get together each day with your friends who all have these things and drink tab before four o'clock and wine coolers after, smoke cigarettes and play cards, lock the kids out of the house and let them only in to eat and sleep. And then she says, our memo in this generation as parents is, here's your baby, this is the moment you have been waiting for your entire life when the hole in your heart is filled and you finally become complete. If after I put this child in your arms, you sense anything other than utter fulfillment, seek counseling immediately. After you hang up with the counselor, call the tutor. Since we have been speaking for three minutes, your child is already behind. Have you registered her for Mandarin classes yet? I see, poor child, listen closely. Parent is no longer a noun. Those days are done. Parent is a verb, something you do ceaselessly. Think of the verb parent as synonymous with protect, shield, hover, deflect, fix, plan, and obsess. Parenting will require all of you. Please parent with your mind, body, and soul. Parenting is the new religion without which you will find salvation. This child is your savior. Convert or be damned. We will wait while you cancel all your life endeavors. Thank you. And she says that what we need really is a new memo of here is your baby, love her at home, at the polls, in the streets, let everything happen to her and be near. And, you know, it is true. I mean, there's so much about helicopter parenting. And I totally admit I was a helicopter parent. And I remember saying to my sister, what nobody tells you about helicopter parenting or attachment parenting, if that's what you want to call it, because that's totally what I did is that you're going to have children eventually that as they get older, you're just so exhausted because it doesn't stop and it's very tiring. So I thought this was kind of a cute way to say it. And and there's definitely more in the book and it's quite funny and, and very well written. But, um, you know, it is true. It is a struggle to kind of have that balance in terms of, parenting, parenting in the right way, parenting different than your parents did. I mean, we totally recognize that all the generations are dealing in different times with different life goals and different circumstances. You know, certainly I don't think anybody saw parenting through this pandemic and what that would look like. But um, it's a, a very good, good assessment of how things do change. She does touch on other things like children and technology. She talks about raising boys as well, um, giving that permission to them to feel more and to discuss more and that, um, you know, they're just as human as girls. Um, she talks about the expectation I think I brought up earlier of our kids just to be themselves. Um, she does also talk about grief. She talks about her sister's divorce and how her sister spent so much time in the basement and kind of it was a place that she cocooned and then she came out of divorce transformed. And I found that to be a really powerful image because 
uh, going through grief or trauma in different ways that I have in my life, it changes you. It totally changes you. So I really liked her imagery on that. And you aren't the same person. You don't have the same thoughts, ideals, way that you think you are going to be after going through those periods. And then she does talk about things like some of the habits. You know, she has a list of things that are healthy habits. She calls them reset buttons, things like taking a bath, going for a walk, doing yoga, because she is sober and she's not relying on drugs, alcohol, things like that to pull her out. So she says she needs these resets. And she even talks about identity in terms of needing new hobbies um, in order to get through. So, so much in this book. And I hope I didn't read too much because I don't want to rip off Glennon. But at the same time, I just wanted to give a really good taste to some of the things that I think applied so well to my life and that I feel like are so many important things that we need to, as women, as communities, talk about um, and really make sure that we are being so conscientious in terms of how we're modeling what it is to be a woman in in 2020. And as I mentioned, she does talk about Black Lives Matters as well. And I thought and some of her conversations about the LGBTQ plus community were so good. And those are sometimes things that can be challenging to talk about. You don't want to say the wrong thing. And I just really liked Glennon's perspective and how she explains things. And it just made it um, really real. And, and it really made it some of these issues, I felt like I could really wrap my mind around how how we could talk or be involved in them. And she even gives some advice in, in those regards because of her work with her uh, nonprofit. Uh, I think she's learned a lot in that. So one of the final thoughts in the book um, is this conversation on levels. And she she gives some truth. She says, the truth of my 30s was, she's referencing yoga, but she says, stay on your mat, Glennon. The staying is making you. She was talking about hot yoga and how, you know, her friend told a story about how she stayed on her hot yoga mat in the room, even though she felt so sick and that it was so weird that she did that because the door was locked. So she says, the truth of my 30s was stay on your mat, Glennon. The staying is making you. The truth of her 40s is I'm made. And she says, I will not stay, not ever again, in a room or conversation or relationship or institution that requires me to abandon myself. When my body tells me the truth, I'll believe it. I'll trust myself now. And I think that does make a lot of sense. I mean, I can see as I've went through my 30s, there's so much uncertainty and I'm heading in six months into my 40s and things do start to become clearer and you do start to know yourself a little bit more. So as I said, this book, there is so much and it it is beautifully written. It is something that you can totally pick up, put down. And I love books like that because 
I don't always get time to really get sucked in, but um, hopefully you'll read it, you'll go back to the parts that maybe mean something to you, or as time changes, consider going back to different things and, and looking at it differently. And again, it's a point in time, you know, in two years, a year, who knows, Glennon's thoughts might change on something, your thoughts might change on something, but it's definitely a very timely conversation in this book. So thanks for listening today. I hope you've enjoyed the podcast and found it useful. As always, this podcast is based on my experience and it's not intended to be medical or professional advice. The podcast is brought to you by doTERRA. doTERRA has many wonderful essential oils that can help in your self-care routine, like their yoga pack of Arise, Affirm, and Anchor for when you're taking some of those times to yourself. If you do like the podcast, please consider reviewing or subscribing. Also, I have a blog at www.theallergybeast.wordpress.com or consider following me on Instagram. It's at Sarah, S-A-R-A, Lady Gluten, L-A-D-Y-G-L-U-T-E-N. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to seeing you next week.